Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Kylie Merritt, the founder of Ausbiz. Our goal at Ausbiz is to provide you with news and information you can use to make better investment decisions, whether it's live, on demand, in the newsletter or a podcast like the COB. We make it available at no cost to you. The bigger our audience, the more we can invest in great content. So I have a favour to ask. If you could take a minute to leave a review of the COB in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help us grow. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at ausbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. From Barangaroo Studios, the Ausbiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Hello and welcome to the COB. It is a Monday. I'm Andrew, joined again by Annette. Annette, how's your day been? It's been a positive day all around, really. We opened up and stayed up all day. Some positive news here and there. And as far as I know, no particular negative. So we just sort of got on with it today. Yeah, it was a bit quiet, though, really. Nothing really driving the markets. Um, I guess that bullish mindset remains. The financials Orange. and miners, really, yeah. they're, they're the ones that pulled the market higher. Houses and holes. That's, yeah, yeah, very true. That's what we do well. Banks are doing particularly well. Nothing in particular came out of last week's Senate inquiry. I mean, I still wonder what that whole charade was about. And we do have a banking upgrade pretty soon, actually, in the next couple of weeks. And everyone is expecting some good news out of there. You're speaking of banks of the central variety. Of course, you, you got your own view on in the COB um, this evening as well, just uh, because the Bank of Canada, um, it's uh, got its policy meeting. Tell us what's going on there, because obviously a lot of similarities between Canada and Australia, just as far as you know, yeah. the, the makeup of the economy is Yeah, concerned. exactly. We're, we're both commodity producers, uh, Canada being uh, oil, so old industry, shall we say, uh, exposed to a big nation, like we're exposed to China, they're exposed to the US, and their housing market is on fire uh, to the point whereby their house price inflation is actually north of 30% year on year. And they do meet this week and it is widely expected that they will start to taper. Now, taper, of course, means buying less bonds. They're currently buying four bill a week and they will be tapering that. Expectations are, you know, two or three. So these are tiny numbers in terms of scaling back from, you know, X billion dollars a week to X minus one. But the point being, it's the signal. And because it's been so well telegraphed, it shouldn't upset the markets. But it's the first central bank Mm. to mention taper. Yeah, you wonder if it's a sign of things to come for other central banks around the globe. It sure is. So I think they're first on their own. Like a lot of people will go, well, who cares what Canada thinks? But uh, but as we say, we don't have strong direct economic ties with Canada, but we certainly have a lot of similarities, including some spectacular 
jobs figures, I mean, our jobs figures, we, we jumped by 70,000. Last week, Canada's was over 300,000, which if you scale it up is equivalent to the US $1 million job. So they're, they're performing um, pretty well from an economic perspective. So as I say, the it's well managed, well telegraphed, won't disrupt the markets, but it will get some people talking about who's next. So economically, not a lot to go on locally, but of course all eyes today were on the was the on the opening of the travel bubble between Australia and New Zealand. Uh, lots of flights uh, uh, and delivering lots of people, you would have thought, particularly going that way into uh, into Auckland. Um so that's good news, although I think there's still a bit of reluctance there. You only have to look at the, the share price of a number of those travel-related stocks to see there is some investor reticence there, isn't it? Because, you know, travellers have their own doubts as to whether this is worthwhile, actually, to book a flight because, who knows, tomorrow it might be cancelled. Yeah, well, I think that's the issue. Like, we've had Snap Brisbane lockdowns. We've had Northern Beaches lockdowns. We even had Auckland had a Snap three-day lockdown when when someone escaped. So it's, it's hard to forward plan, but I guess... What you would do is if you're desperate to see family members and they uh, change the rules, then maybe you won't mind being stuck with your family you know, for an extra week or two in quarantine. Yeah, so maybe if you want to play this uh, from an investor point of view, uh, don't look at Australia, look at New Zealand. And in fact, we spoke to Greg Smith, uh, Head of Research at Fat Profits uh, in Auckland, and he's liking New Zealand tourism players such as Camper van operators, tourism holdings, for instance, is one, uh, THL. Um, and also, in fact, going further beyond that, uh, just in terms of reopening and how it's playing out for New Zealand, you know, infant formula producers who have lost that Daegu trade channel during the height of the pandemic, that's coming back as well. Yeah, I thought that was a, a, a funny way to finish when you look at the, the headline. It says, you know, trans-Tasman bubble good for milk. But in fact, what it is is open borders more broadly and I think we're several steps away from that but in terms of a sector that's not sort of fully priced or overpriced uh, it's still that immigration migration that's still mm. I think 12 months away maybe. Yeah he's also seen potential in shopping malls there too that's an interesting play but um, locally if you're looking for opportunity okay look what's a sector that we haven't really focused on much uh, in recent times, media would come to mind. And in fact, um, that's what we found out today, just as far as Zach Riaz from Banyan Tree Investment Group. He's liking it, liking that sector, see some potential there across uh, all um, different assets there as far as uh, TV, radio, uh, online. Uh, Particularly interested in Nine. Obviously, you've got the change of management there. So yeah, I was uh, just thinking. Yeah, we haven't. We did talk about Nine, obviously, with reporting season and sort of fell off, fell off the radar. But I think it's interesting that some of the conversations are. You know, we've left TV behind, mm. but that doesn't mean there still isn't TV potential uh, from a global perspective. Yeah, because um, you know we hear that TV is dead. Uh, that particularly broadcasting is dead. You know, Zach doesn't necessarily agree with that. In fact, he was saying that Netflix is actually trialling a linear TV programming service in France. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Well, they've got plenty of money to have a little experiment. And I think the the risk-reward there could be huge because no one is looking at TV space. And, of course, TV means advertising. Yeah, that's right. 
Um, so as I mentioned, he does like nine, certainly as far as its diversity, because obviously has a quite a bit in its portfolio mm. now, having well, it's obviously taken on nine Fairfax. entertainment for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, Annette, do you like tin or scrap metal, for instance? Oh, that's the the booming business today. Sims Metal was the uh, top stock, up over ten percent at one stage. Yeah, uh, I think it, it finished just over eight. Ever okay? Well, it was. It seems to be quite lucrative to uh, grab scrap metal and turn it into something more interesting. And basically, they said the near-term outlook is still a little wobbly, but with these global infrastructure packages being rolled out, the future looks very bright. Yeah, that's right. That's why we saw that real bump in the share price with its coming out with its update this morning, uh, expecting to boost earnings in the year ahead, uh, driven by that improvement in the prices and also particularly as far as volumes are concerned. Well, in fact, Sims um, was our stock of the day. And today, uh, Andrew Page uh, hosting the call. And he asked Robert Corlett from Macro Capital and Gaurav Sodi from Intelligent Investor what they thought of Sims. An amazing result. This is a remarkably complicated, difficult business. I think of it more as a, um, as a steel company, but instead of constructing steel anew using raw ingredients, it actually collects scraps and moves scrap around. And I think the opportunity here is probably largely gone. There's probably some, some, some upside to come that generally does not make one good result, but the opportunity for, um, as, as I think has largely passed. I, I would probably give this one a miss. The, the big pop today, it's up 9.5%, was based off the uh, beating analyst uh, forecast yep. by about 91%. So it was a massive Whoa. beat. Yeah. Um, look, we wouldn't buy it at these levels either. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, If you wanted to, we'd be happy to accumulate it, but you need to have a nice big pullback for us to get invested. It's run so well, as you've seen from the chart. Um, you know, it, it operates on some fairly no, low margins as well, which is always a concern for us. It's not bad. I will just say one other thing too. Yep. They were, I think this is a good sign of the JobKeeper program actually um, succeeding. Mm. So they were offered out about um, six and a half million last year in JobKeeper, uh, seven and a half million this year. Mm. Okay, so bottom line, Sims Metal, I'm sorry, but you've missed the opportunity. That's certainly the view from uh, from Rob Collette and Gaurav Sodi there. Yeah, up 150% in 12 months, the guys think it's looking a little rich at these levels. Yeah, they said, you know, making record profits, but yeah, as, as I said, just uh, perhaps missed the opportunity to buy there. Um, talking of opportunities and wishing perhaps I could could have gone in a bit earlier, Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. If, if only <laughs> Look, we Look, there was an one. opportunity. There was an opportunity right there, Annette. There was yeah, it. Yeah, there it is. For its making as far as, well, within the past 24 hours, of course, we saw it uh, heavily sold down significantly. And, of course, then it bounced back up too, of course. So um, what did you make of that? Well, it depended on what you read. The The bit that I read that I think uh, appealed to me the most as to why it tends to you know, go up the stairs and down the elevator is there were whispers of cracking down on money laundering and perhaps Yeah, certainly tighter in- regulation in general. Yep. Exactly. Regulation, uh, yeah, AML, supervision, prudential supervision. So anything that puts a regulatory aspect into something that's supposed to be decentralised. Yeah, I think it does need to be regulated at some stage because there's too many retail investors in this space that do need some sort of protection. 
Yeah, so it was down around 10% at one stage. It has bounced back, but it also dragged a lot of the other crypto and altcoins down with it. Uh, It's just that space. And if you're in it, you know that's what happens. Well, it can go up and down, as we know, $10,000 at a time. It did get a little bit frothy. That word got bandied about a lot on the weekend that some of the froth was taken out of the market just because Coinbase really focused everybody on crypto. So, yeah, so it was Coinbase, crypto. Uh, We saw, I think, Dogecoin, you know, that was literally invented as a joke. But, you know, there we are. That rose. Yeah, that went the other way. that, That sort of did well. Yep, a big finger to the market. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hey, let's look forward. Uh, Of course, company reporting season continuing in the States, uh, some of the biggies still to come. Uh, That's all looking pretty good, isn't it? It should be. I mean, everyone is looking forward to, you know, Netflix and Intel. Uh, We had the bulk of the banks uh, last week out of the US. So what was their big hot? What's coming tonight that we're all looking for out of the US? Uh, yeah, well, yeah, certainly uh, Netflix later on. Um, yeah, I'm so, I just can't remember what was on. T- there was something on tonight and I've got a complete blank. But uh, yeah, the, the tech stocks. Now you've stocks, got me thinking. No, no, the tech stocks will be what everyone's interested in, particularly Netflix, just given that it surged spectacularly last year when everybody was in lockdown and binge-watching series time and time again. So it'd be interesting to see know, how it's, it's come fourth to me. quarter. So tonight I've got Coke. That's right. IBM. Uh, Tuesday, the likes of Procter & Gamble, uh, also later in the week, Halliburton, Whirlpool, AT&T, Intel. So, yeah, look, yeah, quite a bit to come. Def- definitely around the grounds for, for this week. Well, that is re- really where we need to go for market direction because Aussie US data this week is spectacularly thin. So we will be looking elsewhere for direction. Yep, okay. And, of course... We'll be looking to see whether the market can push even higher. Set another post-COVID record. It sure is. Even now, uh, increase today, I think, was only 0.2. But as Julie Lee points out, every rise, by definition, is a fresh post-COVID oh, high. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll look forward to bringing you all the results and the happenings tomorrow, of course, uh, at AusBiz. Thanks for listening. Have a great evening. Enjoy your Monday. 